Well, hey, Center Church, hope you're having an incredible summer. And I'm so sorry I can't be with you. We're probably on vacation somewhere tropical like Michigan. Uh, we're so excited to have Mariah Mahaffey with us. We heard from Cody a couple weeks ago, her husband, but Mariah serves as a student pastor for the Zero Collective, but specifically Frontline Church, a sister church of ours in the, in the Zero Collective, which is really just a group of churches in the Grand Rapids area working together to see zero lives unchanged by Jesus. As she dives into this topic, as she helps us think about formation and how student ministry and, and parenting go together, I'm so excited for you to hear not only from God's word, but also her own life in this message. So let's give a big center welcome to Mariah Mahaffey. Well, thank you. Good morning, church. How are we this morning? Good, good. Well, like John said, my name is Mariah, and I'm the student pastor at Frontline. And you guys heard from my husband two weeks ago. So he's the guy that's bald, but he's really young. And he's cute. I mean, you know, that's just me. But yeah, anyway. Um, and so you got to hear from him two weeks ago. And then here I am, and we're going to be talking, continuing our series on parenting. But before we dive into that, I think we need to get to know each other a little better. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about myself and a little bit about Cody and our story. Um, so I'm born and raised on the east side of Michigan, actually. And they tell me that west side is best side. So it's all right. It's all right. I get it. I get it. But that's where both Cody and I were born and raised in Port Huron in St. Clair, Michigan. And then he and I both went to Indiana Wesleyan to get our ministry degrees. And that's where we met and fell in love. And then we got married. And then we went down to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's where we did our residency for two years. And that's Cody. You guys recognize him from a couple weeks ago. And then we got hired at Frontline and then came all the way back up here to the Great North. And we started at Frontline at the end of April and we just love it in Grand Rapids and we love being with all of you and being part of the collective. It's really awesome. We love it. And Cody and I are not parents yet, but we do have a fur baby. So we just got a puppy a couple weeks ago. Her name is Leela, and she's really sweet. And I love my husband. I love Cody a lot, but man, I love that dog. She is so, she has my heart, and I think she has Cody's heart too. We love her a whole lot. And I love being a dog mom, and I love being a student pastor. And I have worked with teens and their parents for over six years now. And I absolutely love it. And I love getting to walk alongside families as they figure out who Jesus is and what that means for them and who they are as they're figuring all that out. Now, as we're continuing in our parent series today, we're going to talk about a parent that I run into quite a bit being a student pastor, and that is a lawnmower parent. And you're like, Ryan, what does a lawnmower parent mean? I've not really heard of that. Well, a lawnmower parent is somebody that kind of just blazes the trail for their kids, and it doesn't matter what it is, but they are taking away every single obstacle for their kids so that they can be what the parent thinks is successful. And a lot of times when I think of lawnmower parent, I think of like helicopter parent. That's something that's more known to me and I'm gonna use those terms in interchangeably because a hover uh, helicopter parent, they kind of hover over their kids and make sure that they're protected at all times, you know? And my first question to you today is have you ever seen a helicopter parent in public? 
A lot of times, you're not going to see them because it's kind of sneaky. But when you do, you know it. You absolutely know it because they're the moms or whoever that is chasing their kids on the playground with the sunscreen, making sure that they don't get burned or a bug bite or whatever. So I've just got a couple of slides for us, just a couple of pictures to just help us picture <laughs> in our mind what we got going on today. And I, this poor, I think she's a college student, y'all. I think she really is. And we got the snacks and everything. And yeah, it just... If that isn't a helicopter, I don't know what is. This says, my child got an F on their paper. That couldn't, have, that couldn't be. I wrote it for them. I'm getting a lawyer. I'm like, what? That, that's a lot more apparent for sure. No doubt about it in my mind. And then the next one, <laughs> this one is for older kids. It says, I'm not a helicopter parent. My son wants me to be at his job interviews. And I'm like, yikes. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> anyway, and... We laugh and we think this is funny, and I think it is too. But the thing is, is we're like, oh, I would never do that. That would never be me. But I want to ask you today, have you ever seen a helicopter parent in yourself? And this is a kind of a tricky one because the thing is, is that all parents, good parents, love their kids, protect them, want what's best for them. And I just want to say here and now, that is good parenting. That is what you're supposed to do. But it's the way that you go about it is really important. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be looking at parents in the Bible who loved their kids and they wanted the best for them. But they went about it in the wrong way and it didn't turn out the way they thought it would. So why don't you go ahead and turn to your Bibles in Genesis 25:23, and it'll be up in the screen for just a second, in just a second, but as you're turning there, let me catch you up on the parenting of Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis. So Isaac and Rebecca, um, first of all, Isaac was the son of Abraham and Sarah. And then Isaac married Rebecca, and they couldn't get pregnant for 20 years. It took a really long time, and it was a lot of time of infertility. And when Rebecca was pregnant, she found out she was going to have twins. And one day, she was, like, feeling this rumble in her tummy, and she's like, what is going on? It is like a wrestling match up in here. And so then this is what God said to her in Genesis 25. He said, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. See, God promised that her younger son, Jacob, would be the leader of the family. And this is a really important detail that she seemed to forget, and we'll talk about that later. And so... The twins are born, Esau is the oldest, and then his younger son, his younger brother, um, came out grabbing onto his heel for dear life, and really, these boys were struggling since they were in their mama's tummy from when they were born all the way up to when they were adults. And so, as they grew up into men, and they were starting to make life-altering decisions, this is a really important thing that happened. So Esau was a really skilled hunter, and one day he went out, and he was hunting for a long time, and he came back, and he was starving. And he said to his brother, he's like, Jacob, I'm going to die if you don't make me some stew. And so his brother Jacob said, Bet, if you want me to make you some stew, give me your birthright. 
And Esau agreed. Esau agreed. And this is, so what a birthright was is when you were the oldest son, you got a double inheritance of what your parents had, and you became the leader of the family. So it's kind of like you had special perks, and you could sell that. It would be a really dumb move, but you could. You could sell that. It would be kind of like, so you were in line to be the mayor, and you got a bunch of money, and you traded it for a bowl of chili. Now, I love food. I get it, and I love chili, but I... I'm like, come on, Esau, what, what's that about? You know what I'm saying? And the thing about Esau is that he made really rash decisions. He made decisions based on the here and now, and he didn't think about the consequences in the end. He made really bad marriage choices, too, that made his family really, really bitter. And God knew that. And so that's why God told Isaac and Rebekah long ago, that Jacob was going to be the leader of the family and that God's promise that came all the way from Abraham was going to continue through the line of Jacob. And that promise was that Abraham's descendants were going to be as many as the stars and eventually Jesus would come through that line as well. And so God knew all this and that he knew that Jacob was going to be the leader of that family. But neither of the parents remembered that. And I don't know why, because God explicitly told them that. But neither one remembered. So Isaac said, eh, I, don't, I don't know about the prophecy. My older son is going to be the leader of this family, because that's how it's always been. And so he did that, and he was going to give Esau the blessing. And when Rebekah caught wind of that, oh, she was not having it, and she turned all sorts of crazy. So you know how, if we're honest in the room here, you have your favorite kid. I mean, you wouldn't say it. You wouldn't say it, and you definitely wouldn't tell them, and it might change on the day. But um, Isaac and Rebecca definitely, they definitely had their favorites. So Rebecca was, her favorite was Jacob. Jacob was a mama's boy, and Isaac, his favorite was Esau, solely based on food because Esau could hunt and make him the, his favorite food that he loved to eat. If that's a good reason to be a favorite, I don't know, but whatever. And so each of those parents were going to make sure that their favorite was getting the blessing, and it didn't matter what it took. They were going to make sure that that happened. Um, they were going to make absolute sure that their favorite was going to be the one that got the blessing, and so that that person, that their son, could lead the family. So Rebecca devised this huge plan on how to deceive Isaac so that Jacob could get the blessing. And she, um, she brought this to Jacob, and he stopped her. He stopped her for a second. Now, he questioned her because he didn't want to get in trouble, which I get. Not a great reason, but he did, and she could have changed her mind, and she could have chosen to trust God in that moment, but she didn't. She was already gone because she wanted to take control of the situation, and she wanted to take control because she wasn't trusting God. You see, God had a plan but the parents took it into their own hands. God had a plan, but the parents took it into their own hands. And when 
when Rebecca did this, her actions cost her. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to make this huge plan and deceive my husband and do all these things, and there's not going to be any consequences to that. No, it actually turned out really bad. So Jacob did get the blessing, yes, but his brother Esau wanted to murder him. And so he had to flee and leave his family, leave everybody and run for his life. And Rebecca never saw her son again. Never saw him again. And when I hear that story, it shows me two lawnmower and helicopter parents that were going to make sure that their favorite got the blessing. And it did more harm than good. It did more harm than good. And sometimes when we overprotect, it does more harm than good. Even though our hearts are right and we mean well, it does more harm than good. Sometimes when we don't trust God, it does more harm than good. I'm going to tell you a story about um, a mom that I knew in high school because her daughter and I were friends. And um, her daughter was uh, a year or so older than me. And it came time for her to start driver's training and start getting her license and all that stuff. And the mom was telling me that her daughter was kind of afraid to start driving and all that stuff. And she's like, well, yeah, it's a really serious thing driving is because your car is like a weapon and you need to take that really seriously. And I was like, whoa, lady, okay. And um, like thinking that in my head. And the thing is, is that instead of training and equipping her daughter to be like, yes, this is a very serious thing, but let me show you how and let me like give you confidence and train you on how to do that. What she did is she took too much control because she was afraid. And then she instilled fear into her daughter. And y'all, I don't think that girl drove until she was like 21 or 22, got her license. And I don't think she drives a lot to this day. And we're about the same age. And it's because her mom, her parents didn't train her in the way that she should go. And um, we're going to talk about this verse. It's Proverbs 22, 6. And you're like, Mariah, how can you not be a helicopter parent when scripture says in Proverbs, it says, train up your child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. How can you not be a helicopter parent? Because God says we need to take care of our kids. We need to train them up. And I completely agree with you. And I think you should. But I think there's a difference between training and hovering. And I think we're, we're going to talk about the difference there because I think there's a really good way to do it, and that's in training. Um, what I want you to take away from today and what my bottom line is, is that the best parents don't control their kids. They train their kids. I'm going to say it again. The best, kid, the best parents don't control their kids. They train their kids. So... Let's say I was training for a marathon. Ooh, Lord help me if that was the case. But let's say I was training for a marathon. And if I was training for a marathon, I would want our executive pastor, Blake Hicks, to be my coach because that man runs more miles and has run so many different races. He would be the one I want in my corner. You're going to hear from him next week. Um, and if, if I was training and Blake was my coach, he wouldn't be running those miles for me. 
No. He wouldn't be like, oh, Mariah, I don't think you should run that much because you might get hurt or you might do this. Or, oh, Mariah, I don't think that you should go to the course and see what it is because you might get kind of scared. No, he would be like, Mariah, this is what you need to do. You need to run this many miles. You need to go to the course. You need to figure this out and let me help you. Let me give you the tools and train you up so that you can, can succeed when it's my turn to run because he ain't going to run it for me. I wish he could. I think that would be a lot easier. But anyway, I think that is the difference about training and hovering. Training is about giving tools and equipping your kids. And you're like, Mariah, that is so much easier said than done. So much easier said than done. Because how do you do that? I want to give you some tools from things that I have seen really awesome training parents do over the years in ways that they have seen success and have seen wins in this. And that starts with equip. That starts with equipping your kids. Giving them tools on how to handle life's hard topics. So with the mom and her daughter that was learning to drive, if she would have equipped her and been like, this is what you do, let's practice, let's do this together, that she would have been so much more prepared. And I think her fear would have gone way down because her mom came alongside her and gave her the tools on how to handle something that is scary and is hard, but her mom came alongside her. Be willing to have tough conversations. That's what equipping is kind of paired with. So really tough and awkward conversations are not fun to have. I totally get it. But those really hard topics, they need to, um, your kids need to hear that from you. So like hard topics that like, really? Sex, drugs, gender identity, the LGBTQ, all of those really hard topics that kids are facing in schools and they're facing and they're like, what the heck do I think about this? What the heck do I do? Your kids need to hear that from you. And I would much rather them hear that from you than from the 12-year-old in their class or from the internet. I would encourage you to be the Google for your kids. I really would. And that starts with having weird topics or weird conversations, making them so normal that your kids will want to come to you and they'll want to be open because they're like, oh, we've been having this talk for the, my whole life or we've been having this talk for a long time. And so it's normal and it's something that happens every day and day to day. And we'll talk more about that and how to put that into practice. Be their safe place. And that's what guiding is about. That's our second point here. Guiding is about being their safe place, and that starts with listening. That starts with listening. When I think of a lawnmower parent, I think of somebody that dominates a conversation with advice and everything that they need to do, and it's kind of like, like they just kind of override everything. I think when you guide, you need to stop and you need to listen really, really well and see what they have to say. And then you can start by asking really good questions. And we'll talk more about that. When you ask really good questions, it probes them to kind of start thinking on their own and thinking about, okay, how can, I, how can I do this on my own? And then give advice. So listen, ask really good questions, and then give advice. And the third thing I've got is support. 
And this might be really tricky because you might not always agree with what your kids are doing. I know it's hard to believe, but you might not always agree, and that's okay. Your kids need to know that you love them and you're there for them and you're proud of them no matter what, no matter what. And you can tell them that you don't agree with their choice. And you can tell them, hey, I'm a little concerned. I just have to say I'm a little concerned. But if you let them know that you love them and you support them, it keeps the line of communication open so that when they want to come back and get your guidance again, and they will, they know my mom and dad, they love me and they support me. And so I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk to them. That's what you want. And the, the last thing is trust God. And all of those things takes a lot of trust in the Lord. And this is where Rebecca and Isaac fell short. And this is easy to do because we love our kids so much that we become really close-handed. And we're like, God, you gave me these kids and they're mine. They're mine and I'm not going to give them up. And I'm going to protect and overprotect so that nothing happens to them. And the thing is, is that your kids are gifts from God that you get to steward. One of my friends, her name is Sarah, um, and she, uh, right now she's got two babies and she's got twins on the way. And so they've got going to have a family of four and it's going to be, whew, it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be awesome. And they started off their journey in a really um, difficult way. And they, their first baby was a miscarriage. And then their second one, she carried to full term. And then there was complications, and they lost that baby as well. And, um, I mean, if you have ever experienced anything like that in this room, you know how much grief and everything that she had to walk through was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And so she was. She would tell me kind of about her experience because it had been a few years. So she would just kind of process. And she was telling me, and she's like, "Mariah, I went through this really hard time period of grief, and it took her a while. But she said I have eventually come to the place where I, when I dedicated my kids to the Lord, she said that was me saying to God, God, these kids were yours before they're mine." And I trust you with them. And I know that you're yours, that they're yours, and you're going to take care of them. And so I'm going to do what I can do to steward and love them the best I can. But I trust you with my kids, and they're yours. And when I heard that, it made me think, wow, that's a mom that trusts the Lord, and she has her foundation on that, and then she can equip and support and love in a really awesome way, because she's got that really good foundation. You see, your kids, they will leave your house someday, and I know it's a sad thing to think, but if they have been raised in a hovering home where they're kind of sheltered, they're not prepared, and they don't know how to make decisions on their own or what to do in a certain situation because you've kept such a closed hand and you've controlled and you've sheltered, you'll miss out on God's amazing plan for them and you'll miss out on what God wants to do through you as their mom and dad. A really good translation of 
um, the verse in Proverbs that we talked about, and this is just in the Passion Translation, this is what it says. It says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way they should go. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. I love that. Give your kids to God, and then the things that they've learned from you will not leave them. I love that thought. When we give our kids to Jesus, I think this is something that we'll figure out, is that he loves them more than you will ever know, and more than you, which is a really crazy thing to think. But they were his before they were yours. And Jesus talks about how God the Father, he loves and takes care of the birds and the flowers in the field. And then he's like, don't you think he will take care of you? And my question to you is, don't you think he'll take care of your kids? He will, and he does. He holds them in his hands. Trusting is really hard. It's very hard. I'm not going to make it seem like it's easy because I know it's hard. But let me give you just a couple of ways today that you can take this into your week and you can kind of put this into practice. And it goes with the things that we talked about. And that's equipping and that's finding out what they like to do and meet them there. That might be doing a TikTok with them or playing some Fortnite or, I don't know, Minecraft or whatever, playing with Barbies. Um, Find out what they like to do and meet them there. Have lifelong training conversations that is in the car when you're picking them up from practice or when they have a question, you're like, yeah, let's talk about that. You can start talking about hard conversations young, but make it age appropriate and then continue it throughout their life. Equip them, having lifelong conversations. The second is in guide. We talked about this and listening first and then asking questions. And really good questions could be like, tell me more about that. I want to know. Help me understand. You know this better than me. Help me understand this. Tell me why you're feeling that way. Help me understand your feelings. I think if you ask really good questions that they, it disarms them. And it helps them start to think and then maybe start to solve some of their own problems. And then you can swoop in and be like, yeah, I've been there before. Let me give you some advice. Come alongside your kids. There's a difference between doing things for them and being like, hey, let's do this together. I want to help you. I want to help you grow and learn this. The third is support. And we talked about this. Let them know they can always come to you no matter what. No matter what choices they've made, no matter what they've done, that you will always love them. And I think I love this one. Never stop telling them that you love them and that you're proud of them. This can be like when they're 65 and you're 85. You don't have to ever stop doing that. Because then they always know that you're, are, you are that safe place for them. And the fourth is trust God. And I think this is really hard. It's like, how do we trust God on a Tuesday? What does this look like? I think this looks like asking him for wisdom and how to best train them. Be like, God, you told me to train up my kids in the way they should go. But I need your wisdom on how to do that. Help me figure out this conversation. Help me figure out what to do. And I think this really begins with a surrender every day. And 
I think this might be like a prayer. This could be even short. Be like, God, these kids were yours before they were mine. And so I'm going to lead and guide them open-handed. And I'm going to trust them to you because I know in your hands is the best place for them to be. The very best place for them to be. And I think when we trust in the Lord, it frees us up to be able to guide them and lead them and train them just like the word instructs us to do. So today, I'm just going to give us a moment and as we're Peter's playing here, um, I'm going to pray for us and I'm just going to give you a moment. If you're a parent in the room or if you have been a parent and you've got parents, you parent older kids now, or even if you aren't a parent, we're going to have a moment that just says, God, I trust you and I'm surrendering parts of my life to you that I've held on to for a really long time. And that might be your kids and we talk through that and it's like, oh, I just want to control. I just want to make sure they're safe. We're going to have a moment of being open-handed. And that, and that, I think if we start that today and continue that every day, I think the Lord's going to move powerfully in the lives of your kids through you. I know he will. I know he will. So would you bow your heads and would you pray with me as we have this moment of surrender? Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for your goodness and how much you care about small things like the birds and the flowers and the small things in our life and how much more that you care for us and you care for the things that we love like our kids and our families, God. Lord, would you help us to recognize that you love our kids and you love things in our life that are good even more than we do. And you love us more than we can ever know. So Lord, as we're being open-handed today, would you meet us? Would you give us wisdom? Would you guide us? Because we don't want to be so close-handed that we miss out on what you have to do, God. We don't want to miss out on your promises and your blessings because we are so wrapped up in what we wanted. Give us kingdom eyes to see what you're doing in the lives of our families. Would you give us kingdom eyes to see what you're doing in our life and what we need to do, God? Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you help us to live open-handedly, God? No matter what, no matter what it is, God. We love you and we trust you and we thank you in advance.